0: So in the USA, when you ask somebody, how are you? They will just answer, how are you? Uh, And that's it. That's that. In Poland, uh, if you ask somebody, how are you? They would actually give you an answer. And because we, Polish, are a nation of complainers and we like complaining, we would complain about our work and about our workload and about our life and everything else and politics. (laughs) Uh, But the most important thing we complain about is work and how much we work and how busy we are. And um, that's true, but the question is, does it have to be like this? Do we have to be uh, so busy? Does it have to be crazy at work? And this is something I would like to talk to you uh, today on the podcast.
1: So we're going to discuss a book by Jason Fried and David Heinemeyer Hansen. Their uh, third major book, uh, I think fourth in total, maybe more, but, but like third major book It doesn't have to be crazy at work. And just to give you a gist of what the book is about, I'm just going to literally read out loud the contents of the cover page. 80-hour weeks, packed schedules, super busy, endless meetings, overflowing inbox, unrealistic deadlines, can't sleep, sound after an emails, no time to think, stuck at the office, all-nighters, chats blowing up, and it's all crossed out with a title... Below, it doesn't have to be crazy at work, and this is at the essence of um, Basecamp's kind of um, culture and philosophy of running a, a business, which is very contrary to the status quo in business. That's that's what they do. In books, they question the status quo and they sprinkle everything with uh, f bombs and wisdom. Uh, and obviously, we are a lot like uh, Basecamp. We even uh, do similar things as uh, in terms of our products, uh, just differently. And obviously, this very much appeals to us. Uh, that's how um, we run things at Nosby, too. Uh, so, this is pretty natural to us, and it's just fun to listen to someone preach the stuff we want to preach. Uh, but there are some things that were interesting to us that uh, are different from the way we run stuff at
0: Nosby. So let's discuss that. The book is a short read. It's just three hours. So it's really quick read. Yes. Um, each chapter or each essay is very quick. I would even argue that it's, for me, even too short sometimes. Like they make a point mm-hmm. very quickly. And what we've already discussed in the books that we, uh, some, like, we like to be primed, you know? Uh, and and right. they don't give you that time to prime you, I think.
1: Yeah, so... Uh, we argued before that books are uh, largely, uh, not, not every kind of book, but, but most books we tend to read, nonfiction books, are a delivery mechanism for for ideas, not, not raw data, but kind of trying to convince you of an idea, of a kind of truth about life, running business, whatever. Um, and it takes time. It takes time to prime you. You, you can't just lay out the facts. Um, you can you could you could have written you know a summary you could have written a blog post but that's what, why the book is a book because you have to lay everything out in many directions and that's how you kind of get convinced so uh, they didn't write the kind of books that are actually works better I think as a paper book that you can just peruse slowly and like read one chapter you know just two pages and then muse about it then uh, listen to an audio form but i I did just finish in today's uh, listening to it at 1x, which I n- never do. I always listen to books at 1.5x or something, but you have to slow down to absorb those ideas.
0: Yeah. The only thing I... I, I mean, the un- speaking of the book as such, I, I would mm-hmm. question um, the delivery still, uh, language. So, um, question to you, because, you know, on one hand, I get the F-bombs, you know, I enjoy them, you know, uh, and every now and then I like to throw one myself just to you know um to vent but i'm not sure like i i don't think i would write a book like with an with f bombs inside um uh, because i think that for many people it can be a throw off you know it can be something that you know they when they see uh, like explicit language they would just tell you uh, you know tell you i mean come on try harder you can you know make a point without uh, f bombing the whole thing what do you think? Uh, I think it's something that you have to
1: decide on. That it's something that's not neither wrong or right, but it has to be authentic to uh, kind of the personality you're portraying, conveying um, in a book. I think it fits the, the style of ideas um, very well as... You know Jason Fried and, and DHH do in their books. I think it's fine, I don't have a problem with that. The fact that it's polarizing is both a, a disadvantage and an advantage. You're right, it's gonna throw some people off, some people um, just like can't stand it, um, and so that's a disadvantage. But the flip side is also true that most offers just wouldn't do it because, like, They'd be afraid of losing some people uh, by something that's not that important. Like you're you're trying to sell an idea, not 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 throw you know fuck after fuck. Um So uh, if you do that, then you're kind of different, and some people will enjoy the the breath of fresh air that you can write a business book and speak a you know uh, speak language like that. Uh, that it is different and that that is appealing to another group of people, so yeah again i I just think you have to decide and since you're not sure then if you write a a book, you probably shouldn't do it because if mm-hmm. if uh it, it wouldn't feel authentic like it feels authentic with d h h because that's just who he is, that's just how he speaks, and it's fine, and it's great and and he wouldn't you know think twice about uh stripping uh all uh all f's with,
0: from the the book yeah uh, there is this there's this uh, uh, um, uh very old um, like uh, audio um Thing on the internet, we'll link to it in the show notes. Uh, that um, it explains the versatility of the F word, like, <laughs> and and it's 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 said in this uh, by this very serious British guy explaining like a dictionary word. Like it's 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 fantastic. So um, let's link to it in the show notes.
1: Yeah, let's uh, let's. I, I, I don't know what you're talking about.
0: Okay. Ah, uh, you you want to hear this? Um, it's it's a very
1: old uh, joke, but it's a very good one. All right. Let's move to the meat of the book. Uh, again, the gist doesn't have to be crazy at work. You don't have to. You can run a calm business, and this is kind of a manifesto, both for how and why. Uh, but I want to. I want to just talk with you, Micah, about the, the things that are that, that seem interesting and, and different to us. That that even surprised us as um, people following a very similar
0: philosophy. Okay, so first thing I I I want to I want to start and highlight, which was um, which is really well written, was this whole concept of we are not family. So um, mm. uh, the thing is that to me, uh, you know, growing Nosby as in twelve years now and and like really um, like you know living with. So many people like together for so many years, like with you, like seven years already, like, yeah. like not literally living together, but you what I mean? What I mean <laughs> like being together for such a long time. Uh, yeah. It creates kind of a family, you know what I'm saying? And yeah. also, um, uh, the <laughs> the management books tell you that when you create this sense of family, everything is just better and you're more united. Um, but I think uh, what they're saying and what is really important is really to still like, you know, be on a very friendly terms with your uh, coworkers, with your team, and 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 create this kind of unity, but without create you know trying to impose family or you know like it is a skill to not mix personal life and family life with the work life, even though you're close with the ones you work with. You know what I mean? Yeah, that's that's interesting
1: because uh, for me, I I do feel. In a very i think unusual privileged position to um, to actually be very very close of um, many people with whom I work um, many of my coworkers also my friends that's that's unusual and some people would say dangerous like that you're not supposed to do that um, so that's that's kind of nice um, though definitely requires you to have um, enough emotional maturity to to know that you know, uh, this, this could end. Um, But, but Mm -hmm. I think their main point is, is not so much that you can have um, a a little bit of this vibe of something family-ish, never a family, Mm -hmm. but something kind of resembling just because of the uh, close relationships, you know, person that can form just naturally, but, but that you, you can't force it. And, and people who, who talk about it, you know, um, gurus and thought leaders who talk about, you know, that we're like a family who, who speak about it out loud are, are usually, you know, fake are usually, you know, pretty much lying and, and just saying that to, to, um, impose a feeling of obligation towards one another and that it doesn't work. Like, if it's if it's gonna form close ties, then it's only going to be um, without the mandate and without the the CEO
0: bragging about it. Exactly, um, and this is what I've been trying to do. And 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 last year, uh, as we as we talked in our previous episode, uh, some people left uh, the company, and uh, it, it was hard. But uh, we. I think because we were pre- also pretty good friends. It, I think it was, you know, it went pretty okay. I mean, you know, it wasn't like a like a big drama, um, and um, uh, and and especially I think in our environment when we have a small company, we actually seek this kind of deeper connections. You know, we don't want to work for a big corporation where it, as you said, it's imposed. It's like you know you're trying too hard to create a family where it's actually it's not. You know, a family of hundred thousand people. You know, <laughs> and and yeah. this is a small company. So uh, so as you said if we create this good vibe of working together but we don't impose it we don't talk about it it reminds me of this um word that uh, my friends from germany were using when i was studying in germany um, they would sometimes use the word spontaneous we were very spontaneous mm-hmm. about this and this and you're like the difference between us and them is like, they talk about spontaneity when they have already planned that. We are just spontaneous. <laughs> we don't use the word spontaneous because everything we do is spontaneous. So, so it's, you know what I'm saying? Like, like, you don't use the word spontaneous. You're just being spontaneous and everybody knows it's spontaneous. And so I think it's the same with the family. <laughs> Yeah, it's it's difficult to
1: convey across language uh, boundaries, but it's the same with the word friend in Polish. Mostly, when you talk about what you'd call in English friends, uh, you you use a, a one of different a few different words in Polish. Uh, one of which is is like the word colleague, uh, sounds yeah. but the same. And the the kind of dictionary translation of a friend is a uh, is a word kind of so uh, strong. It it's so um, suggests such a close tie that. Uh, like i i laughed when when someone suggested that people who are you are you know actual friends with using this word in polish uh, are the people with whom you'd never actually use the word you just you, you just know you just know exactly. that you know you are really close friends that you are like a you know like a family but but you'd never actually use the word you it's just something you know yeah because if you tell it to them it would sound weird
0: and kind of yeah it, it's just
1: like in it, polish people are are it, it's hard and it feels weird in Polish to express your emotions um, <laughs> using the dictionary words. It's just ah, uh, it's icky. Much easier in English. Exactly. All right, but I want to uh, go back to, to the the idea of the company uh, not being a family and and the the, the relationships that form. I, I think it, it's an interesting um, feature of working all remotely and not seeing one another in. The office, that on one hand, for me, the fact that I'm isolated from uh face-to-face human contact, I, I don't I'm not spending you know eight hours more a day in the office, makes me really want to um, form uh, friendships and just spend time with people and be closer, uh, both in and outside of work. Though at the same time, a person with different sensibilities who r- wants to separate um, work and life more than than I prefer to uh, will also find it advantageous that since you're not spending time in the office, like you can manage this more easily. You're just work is work, and you don't have to uh, deal with the complexities of uh, talking to people face to face. You can just you know shut someone off and. Uh, when you're done working and you don't have to be friends. And it's kind of up to you.
0: Yeah, and that, that's why we enjoy our reunions so much, because this is the moment where we can, you know, actually spend time together, do things together. And um, recently we've discovered that the moments on the reunions that, that we've really enjoyed time together was just doing stuff together. Like just Yeah, you
1: know. uh, let's move on. Uh, I want to give a a shout out to something that's, uh, new to us, uh, not new as in we've just read it in the book, but new as in we've just implemented it, uh, and that's uh, equal pay for equal work, uh, and the the status quo uh, in business is to individually negotiate salaries, and what uh, we've recently implemented at Nosby and so did uh, Basecamp, uh, I don't know exactly how they did it, maybe we're doing it slightly differently, but we implemented Essentially, a salary formula. Um, there's a base number um, for a, a a group like a developers, uh, marketing, etc. And then there's level, like level of expertise, a, a small factor for uh, seniority, like how long you're in the company, and uh, tags. So, like if you have additional responsibilities, then you'll be paid a little bit more. But you know, we can now talk about those factors uh what that determine uh the salary and it's not ne- uh, you know the, the the final number is not neg- negotiated uh individually it's just if you're at a certain level that's what you get paid and equally
0: yeah i think i think at some point it would be great to to talk about it in depth uh, here on the podcast yeah i agree On the whole formula so um one idea that's
1: pretty Obvious, but also not obvious. Um, and, and that kind of relates to what we're working on right now. Is The way they do things at, at uh, Basecamp is when they want to, to do something, implement something, whatever. They, they set a deadline At the deadline is fixed. The scope is flexible, but it's flexible only in one direction. So when you start with a project... The deadline is there. It's just what it is. And you're not gonna start crunching to magically do everything that was planned to get to that deadline or keep stretching and stretching and stretching it while stressing out. No, Uh, you continue calm work at a reasonable pace. And when the deadline is there, you ship, you ship what you have. And... As necessary, and it's always necessary, scope goes down with time. As time passes, turns out can do everything, because people suck at estimates. Uh, but turns out people tend to be pretty good with setting and spending budgets. So when the budget is, you know, what it is, that's the deadline. Then that's the budget you have to spend.
0: And when it's over, you ship. Yeah, and it's you know it's it's really important to 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 to. Um... I think to put these kind of deadlines in this sense, as you as you mentioned, not a deadline that everything has to be done by that time, but we have to ship at that time. And I think this is very motivating and this asks, uh, provokes good questions, you know, good questions about trade-offs. Okay, um, Michael, uh, <laughs> you talk to me all the time, Michael, we can do this, but then we won't have to be able to do that. Are you okay with that? Oh, yeah. And so, so this is um, uh, this is really important because I think if if we just completely get rid of deadlines, but would you know just focus on building the best thing we can build um, without these trade offs, we can spend time building ages, ages, and we've been guilty. Of that in the past. So um, so I think this is, this, I, I like this and I also like the, their cadence, the cadence of six weeks of working and then two weeks of, of cleanup. And mm-hmm. this is something we also tried to introduce in our company. So it, it's, it's, it's a good rhythm and a good way to work.
1: Yeah. So uh, as for deadlines, uh, two observations. First of all, I think we should just stop using that word like it just seems so brutal deadline like if you're treating it like that it's not a deadline you're not be dead if you cross it it's it's like it's a ship, a ship date. line it's a ship date it's a due date but it's not a deadline uh, i i liked how how they um i don't remember all of the the phrases but but they mocked the war uh phraseology in business you know uh beating someone to the mar- market crushing uh the competition um you know all the the wording of destruction and and war, which you know you it can't it can be calm when you uh, conceptualize stuff like that uh, in your mind as a war, uh, and it's it's not. And uh, also, as for deadlines, fourth uh, of April, twenty nineteen,
0: that's a deadline of ours for yeah. a thing. Four of the fourth. So uh, watch out for that. Um, and. A- you're completely right with the wording uh, we would li- we will link in the show notes to the episode of their podcast the rework podcast when they talk about this because ah, the, it's nice. a very good episode um, where they discussed this this whole thing and uh, from also from um, from like, there was a research that if you use words like this if you if you speak these kind of war concepts you know beating and and and, and destroying and all this stuff it influences the way you work it influences the way you approach things so it's it's not just empty words and it's like it, and it's not harmless so i actually recently have have, be- have begun to like this tendency of rephrasing things of questioning why are we always calling this this can we just call it differently uh, you know in program- programming world right now the master slave for example um, discussion about um, yeah, databases <laughs> uh, like, like because just because we started wording something because it resembled, you know, a war thing or a military thing doesn't mean we have to keep doing it like this. We can there are so many words in this world. There are so many uh, cool names we can use. Why this kind of thing? And and uh, what they also say in the book is that when you don't use words like this you also focus on different things you know again you don't focus on crushing the competition you focus on delivering a great product yeah it's really interesting some people get really angry and annoyed
1: by people you know rephrasing things coming up new, with with new words and uh, you know it, it, it even gets really political and, and ugly but it, it's really true like uh, words language influences thinking and not just thinking influences language it's it's weird but it's that's you know brains are weird uh exactly. moving on uh, I wanted to also uh, discuss the, the project-based base thing because I I don't think we're doing the same thing, base canvas. I think we're doing something very different. So we also right now have this six-week, two-week cleanup uh, cycle, but we're not really working in projects. Not really. Um, not right now, at least. not Not in the development team. We're kind of working as the whole development team together on tasks. But what they do is... You know, when they're working on a feature, they create a project and they have like a, 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 they form a small team, generally three people for that project for a max of six weeks. And that's what they do. And we generally don't do that. Uh, and we don't structure it this way. We don't think about it uh, this way. We're moving kind of together as the whole team of, um, I don't know, uh, developers and designers until that would be like something like 10 people. Uh, kind of in cycles so there's development cycles which correspond to like ship dates or or something like that but we don't really work in projects for uh, development uh, and I, I I don't know I don't know what to think of it but I think after 4th of April uh, or maybe a little bit later than that when that starts making a little bit more sense maybe we should try this method for a while uh, maybe it's not gonna work because we're too small of a company and splitting people to work on essentially one thing for a couple of weeks with three people doesn't really make sense. But um, I think it would be just interesting to experiment with the way we we structure work and people together to to figure things out.
0: Yeah, we could try that. Yeah, it's uh, yeah, it's as you said, it's a different way way, way than we work. Yeah, you know, but we could try and we'd we'll see how this goes. Something also um, that they do and which. For me, it's kind of difficult to digest. Is the the goal or of not having goals at all? (laughs) I mean, you know, I'm a productivity guy. I I, I, I do goals, right? I um, I set goals. I and you know, on one hand, I understand um, that they don't want to put pressure on themselves. Just you know, as you said, as they said, keep working in these cycles. And then on the cycle, they have this mini goals. Like we want to build this thing, you know, in these six six weeks, and then clean up, and then build another thing for six weeks. Um, but um, and I and I also get there is a different kind of people who just set goals and they are just always talking about goals and goal setting and just you know. And when they don't reach a goal, they are just completely um, uh, you know depressed. They didn't hit the goal and was so important. Um, but I think there is a middle ground here, and I think, uh, again, when you set some goals, uh, this uh, gives you, again, just like a deadline, uh, on deadline, just like a ship date, it gives you um, this uh, sense, of, okay, what's important to me today? What's important to me right now? Or this year and we discussed it uh, also previously that uh, we want we want to focus a lot on habit goals so this way we create new habits which help us become better versions of ourselves um, but I think still having some goals having some things you want to, like, like, uh, numbers you want to make, like things you want to do uh, when something is really important to you for example this year I think it's important. I think it's partly
1: a difference in wording because they do have deadlines so when they have a deadline and a project then you know the goal is to finish something by that goal i i, I think they they meant it um in a more narrow sense uh i th- because they were talking about that they don't have like a profit or revenue goal for the year They they just don't do that and they don't have they don't have like company-wide long-spanned goals uh, and that's a little bit mm-hmm. different um, because like for example you know that that's the problem with with, with goals uh, they, they can be useful uh, it can be useful to have a number because then you can optimize on it like you can measure the difference every week and then you can experiment and see what change and if it's really important if you got to do it then that can be very helpful but oftentimes it's just guessing and it's just kind of lying to yourself and you know very well how many goals um, you've set, how many, you know, company-wide, you know, year-long goals um, you've set and conveyed uh, as the CEO uh, to the company over the years that just didn't pan out and it it wasn't necessarily Mm -hmm. a failure, it's just maybe it it didn't make sense to to think about it this way or or convey it in, in this way. Maybe, maybe it shouldn't be a goal, mm-hmm. maybe it should be like an idea for a um, a project that would spend a, a number of, of months and depending on the situation, we take it or not, but maybe it shouldn't be a goal. Also, I think it's um, with this and some other um, things, I think it's kind of cute and easy for them to say. Um, like na- yes. 90% of things completely agree with the book, but like 5% of the book is the privilege that they have. Um, Not something that's universal, but the privilege that they can drop certain concerns from their business life and can just not think about certain things because they're already way more successful than we are. And because of that, they have the momentum that just keeps propelling them forward. Not to say that they're not doing amazing work. It's just that, you know, when, when you have a certain level of profitability and people, you know, that keep recommending Basecamp to, to their friends, you can just like forget about some things that bring you anxiety. And it's not that if, you know, if they did that, their business might've been better, but it's just that, you know, that's their point. It doesn't have to be crazy at work. They don't have to grow forever. It's their choice and they chose not to do that. But that doesn't necessarily apply to us.
0: Some of these things. Exactly. So, uh... If you if if uh, you have to uh, get to some uh, numbers uh, to be able to pay the salaries, then you know it's kind of uh, um, it's kind of important to get to these numbers yeah. and to set these goals because otherwise uh, you know it's going to be crazy at work. Um, and and they when they have this margin, like this very really big margin of profit profitability, it's of course it's easier to drop things. Like for example. Um, we discussed this already internally in our marketing team, you know, um, uh, about social media, Facebook, and Facebook being bad, and they completely dropped Facebook, and they are advocating dropping Facebook and dropping social media almost entirely because of how bad Facebook is and Facebook properties are. Um, And, you know, it's great. It's great to be them. (laughs) Uh, But um, some things, uh, you know, we want to do more consciously, but still we just cannot afford to drop at this moment. You know, maybe if we, you know, Get uh, uh, more success, and we will be able. We'll be more privileged to have this, you know, this this luxury of dropping this, you know, draw, you know, uh, certain, you know, amount of dollars. You know that won't be coming, but you don't care because you know, uh, dollars are coming anyway. Then it's great. Uh, But but, so it's good that they're raising these things, and 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 they're raising this issue of not getting to the, you know, not milking the cow like completely. Not you know always you know optimizing for the. For the you know maximum growth and maximum uh, um, reach and maximum you know whatever, because this is toxic and that's true, um, uh, but uh, yeah, some people just cannot drop the, these things and just will have to just adjust to their own way and that's fine.
1: Yeah, I, I think this is very much also reflects David Heinemann Hansen's personal philosophy. He is a, a stoic, and we uh, talked about stoicism before on, on the show, uh, mm-hmm. like one. Once you're already good, once you're profitable, you're in business. You've been in business for a while. It's not on on the horizon that you're stopping in business. Then, you know, you don't have to keep growing. You don't have to keep growing fast. You can calm down. But I I think they uh, they could have done a slightly better job um, uh, in the book mm, differentiating between things that are pretty much essentials, like things that everyone assumes... Is non-negotiable, and that's just the the you know that's just life. That's actually not true, and and they're right that it's, um, it's kind of just this this culture that's stupid that wastes a lot of time and and doesn't bring the benefits when people are overworked and etc. And some of and which of the things are might be more difficult uh, because um, I think like. We we see it. We get the book, but it might be easy for some people to
0: reject it because they can't implement it hundred percent. Exactly. Yeah. But as with every everything, everything and every idea, you have to. Your mileage may vary. You have to implement it to where you stand, to where you are, and and to. Uh, but also, you know, to your beliefs and your values. Mm. So, all right. Uh, moving on. Uh, I like
1: the idea of office hours. So uh, what they do at Basecamp is uh everyone publishes kind of their office hours uh when they're available just available you know to to help out to to be asked questions to be bothered and for some people that might be you know every thursday and for some people that might be every day after 2 p.m. but it's the person's decision and unless uh unless it's it, you know the world is burning down, and you really need someone's help. Just assume they're not available to be bothered by your every whim. And uh, like with with um, a lot of things we've discussed on the show, with asynchronous communications and and such, the logic for this is is pretty strong. It's not just about you know the luxury of of being calm. It's that people need long stretches of uninterrupted time to get real good deep work done. And you know, it might be convenient for you to bother someone to help you out because you know that person knows the answer. But you're just you're just trying their day, possibly, by kind of splitting up into two parts and, you know, uh, wasting much, much of the, their time. And maybe you can just, you know, you can wait and you can do some other work in the meantime or you can figure it out on your own. And it might take you a little bit uh, more time. But overall, for the whole company... The result is better. Uh, But so like we we live by that uh, to to much extent, but I like the idea of office hours.
0: I'm not 100% sure how well it it would work, but I like the idea. I'm actually implementing kind of thing like this uh, right now. Um, not uh, I haven't published it yet to the team, uh, but I'm doing this, for example, with uh, business customers, because I do talk to business customers. And um, before that, it was like always a back and forth. And it required an assistant, you know, when can we talk? When can Michael talk? You know, when can, you know, like, the whole back and forth. Now, I just pre-scheduled um, two windows of time, like four, four Pomodoros on Tuesday and four Pomodoros on Thursday. Mm-hmm. Um, and I publish them with this app called Calendly. Uh, and, and now, if somebody wants to book time with me, uh, the, one of the customer support reps sends them the link. You know, here's Michael's schedule. You know, book your time with Michael. And, and, um, and now, because we have the quarterly uh, meetings, I'm also uh, booking time for my team to have individual chats and uh, with my directorate reports, also within these timeframes. So within these timeframes of these um, um, uh, office hours. As, as you said, so these are, for example, my office hours to, for the for the mm, uh, for the external people, like for the for customers, but also for the team. And uh, I want to be able to publish it more to just t- tell people that this is these are my office hours where I can be bothered and I can be asked questions. And uh, I think you're right. This is this also conveys this 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 thing. You know, we are a synchronous company. So if unless it's burning you can talk to me on a Thursday, because on a Thursday between 2 2 p.m. and and 5 p.m., I'm available. So just talk to me then. Yeah, uh, ask me anything. Ask me anything, exactly. Just, you know, uh, write this down, wait, and then, you know, um, create a due date in, in this task, you know, at that moment, and then ping me, talk to me, I'm available. I like it too. Another
1: thing I like, and I think we really should, switch to that system. Uh, They call it heartbeats. Uh, So a heartbeat is a report from a team leader of a team uh, once a month to the whole company. So uh, again, the the logic behind this is you should not be bound by fear of missing out. People should not be on top of everything with everything that's happening at the company. That's just that's not calm, that's too stressful, that's too distracting. And most things are minutia that are important for the team, but not for the rest of the company. And what we've been doing for a while now is um, Rafael is compiling a weekly report to the whole company from different um, kind of, I'll just say department leaders. Uh, and I don't think it works. I think a week is too short. I think in a, a week... We still get bothered with minutiae, with just little things that don't that ma- matter that much in the grand scheme of things. I think a month might be just a much better timescale to inform the rest of the company, like everyone not involved with a project of, or with an area of, hey, here's what, what we've done and here's what we're planning for the next such period. I think that works much better than, than a, a week because what what we see often is there's a point on that report that keeps repeating every week, and you just you start ignoring it.
0: Yeah, I think it's a good idea. I mean, what I've already started um, um, is uh, every two, three, or four weeks, depending, uh, I record a video, like a vlog, internal for the for the company to explain some important things. Or you know where we are going and what or, or, or you know anything that we just implemented, like for example, the salary formula uh, I, I thought you know to explain it to the whole team, from me, uh, what we want to achieve, and then later in individual chats, you could always ask questions so uh, so this is what we're already doing, and we can um, actually improve it or improve upon that, to maybe do like a, as you said, um, that I could do a vlog with some of the news happening and then in the, you know, video itself like, or, or just below the video, just link to, for example, a report, a detail, more detailed report if somebody's, you know, more curious about exactly uh, something. So this way we could, mm, uh, you yeah, we, we could convey, like I could convey what, you know, how we're going, where we're going, what we're doing, and then we could link to some details if somebody's interested, right? Yeah,
1: something like that. Yeah, we should discuss that. Uh... Later, kind of hash out the details. But yeah, that, that's pretty good. Uh we're getting long, but uh there's a few things I, I really want to discuss with you, Michael. Um yeah. So here's one uh you and I talked about a couple of times, but uh haven't quite figured out yet. Um which is about um the fact that bosses uh, tend to you know say, uh, you know, my door is open, you know, ask me anything, tell me anything. Uh, and <laughs> sometimes it, it, they really mean that, but it's uh, it's kind of a cop out, right? Um, people are not willing to, uh, in general, to be, you know, completely frank and honest, especially when not asked to the person who's signing the, their paychecks. Actually, that's a horrible um, analogy. We should stop saying that. What what is it? Third world paychecks? No one is signing paychecks. Exactly. Right to the person paying for their uh, sorry much better uh bosses must uh, ask questions directly and and have a kind of uh communication with with people in the company and and not just like be open to feedback because most people won't volunteer it but like actively ask and um you know CEOs pro- uh, never uh, will never get the 100 of, of of the story uh, but uh, if they're really good they might get to like 80% which is like far better than the vast majority of CEOs I guess uh, but you also have to you have to do that you, ha- you have to be the person um, starting this, initiating it and you know you, you have to build trust with this process over a long span of time people it, it will take with every person uh, probably years to to be like comfortable and and to establish uh, trust and confidence that you can be um, honest and frank with with the harshest feedback with with your boss um, and yeah oh, and also not you know ask as good questions pointed questions like uh, what are we screwing up and what everyone is afraid to ask and not Bullshit, self-congratulatory questions like "What can we do even better?"
0: <laughs> That's true. Um, it's really hard. It's uh, what I've le- learned over the the years is that um, my word w- weighs a ton. So I, 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 and because I speak so much, I have to really <laughs> hold myself and not, you know, respond my own question, but just ask a question and just stay the f quiet cuz <laughs> cuz it's really hard for uh, for me so it's it's a skill i'm 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 working on but also as you said uh, ask good questions and not like because i i very often think i got the feedback but i didn't you know yeah. it's just you know because i didn't dig deeper i didn't uh, ask a, a good question i asked an okay question and a few people responded i'm like oh, okay so this is the the thing right and very often it's not so um it's hard, and I can tell you, like being a like this, even a a a boss of a small company, like it's frustrating not to get, uh, um, not to know uh, what what people are really thinking about something, you know, and 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 and, and um, that's why uh, it is a skill, and it's hard, and uh, I think we um, have to work on improving this, and I, I have to especially work on improving. Oh, you this, do this whole process you do. of, oh, yes, <laughs> of course. Of 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 getting the uh, to the bottom of the of the situations and to getting you know to really get uh, good candid answers and not just um, yeah yeah all right answers yeah uh, it's like you know when you're a parent and you're and the worst part being a parent you pick up the kids from mm-hmm. school how was school great <laughs> like, that's true okay that's so true
1: <laughs> uh, I already told you this but um, in my opinion. Uh, you should get back to doing one-on-one chats with everyone in the company. So you used to be doing this twice a year, but first of all, that that was that was crazy at work because you did it all in one week with everyone before the or during the the Nozbe reunion that didn't work so well. And then you kind of delegated that to uh, kind of team leaders. and now everyone is doing that with their team leader every quarter. And, and that's great. Uh, this way we're iterating faster on certain things. But then I, I still think you should do that with every person in the company at least once a year. Uh, because I, I think that there are things you're just not gonna get uh, through proxy, through um, another person, even if it's you know a team leader you trust. I think it's just kind of natural that some things get lost in the noise. And I think especially in, in the long-term, and I know you're a you know long-term thinker, uh, it 's not kind of a, a short term investment uh, in the span of you know years having someone at the company for years developing that that trust to to you know tell you anything uh, that, that they think we 're screwing up or whatever uh, I
0: think that'll be pretty powerful yeah um, so this is this moment of a cliffhanger because in the next episode of the podcast, we will discuss the our conclusions from the uh, annual review and all this stuff, and then i 'll tell you more about this because you're completely right and i've made progress towards that and um and i've had i have some practical ways i'm going to implement that so stay tuned